Down a long fluorescent-filled hallway in a quiet section of the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office sits a vault filled with files and heartbreak. More than 1,400 cold cases, their yellowing pages and aging evidence, a constant reminder that someone got away with murder. I'm Paige Kelton with Action News Jax, and we've partnered with Project Cold Case and the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office to put the spotlight on unsolved local crimes. The goal? To generate a tip that leads to an arrest. This week, Action News Jack's Lorena Inclan opens Daryl Stringfield's case file. She sits down with his mother for her first interview since her son's murder. This is where it happened at. I don't even like to come down this street. I don't even like to come over here. Despite the pain this place brings, Jeanette McKenzie mustered the strength to meet us outside this apartment on Justina Road to send a message. It's just an emptiness there. Um, heart aches all the time. It was after 10 p.m. on October 22, 2008. Daryl Stringfield, who went by Malik, was on these steps with friends when a masked gunman approached them, making threats. One of his friends was shot in the leg, but the suspect pumped four bullets into Stringfield and ran off. He went into a medically induced coma. For nearly five months, Mackenzie watched her son die. He would pass away in March the following year. I'm just praying and asking for justice, closure. You know, it's been eight years, gone on nine years. No one has come forward yet. Ever since, Mackenzie tells me years are marked with solemn anniversaries. My birthday, I doesn't even celebrate my birthday. My birthday, October the 27th. This happened five days prior to my birthday. Stringfield left behind a wife and children. Mackenzie tries to keep her son's memory alive through them. One of her grandkids is an athlete just like her son was. Shalithia, she just got back from Germany. She played professional basketball. Nearly nine years after his murder, there's no suspect description, very little evidence to go on, and the people who know won't tell. I want my son to not have left here in vain to know that his mother never stopped trying to find out who are responsible for him not being here with me. Mackenzie is well aware of the cycle of silence in the neighborhood her son was gunned down, but she's not giving up. Looking directly into our camera, she had this message. If you know somebody that hurt somebody, I mean, come on, don't be coward. Don't be a coward. Come on and speak up. Don't you just as bad as the person that did that to my son. If you know something, you won't say anything because that person certainly was a coward. Up next, you'll hear my full one-on-one -on -one interview with Daryl Stringfield's mom, Jeanette McKenzie, who for years has been fighting for justice for her son. She agreed to speak with us in the hopes that someone might come forward with information. Okay, so Mrs. McKenzie, we'll just start with um, just recently. It was the right around the, the day right the, or marked another year yes March the 5th when he passed mm -hmm. and um, the incident he was shot out here um, they had just left a coach pot one a coach football um, meeting from right here at this very same park and him and his fellows they came over I guess they've come to have a few spookies or what have you and they was all sitting around and that was October 27th I'm sorry October 22nd of 2008 when he was shot, there was another guy that was wounded also, but he, he lived. And they, um, 
rushed, I got a phone call saying that he had been shot and the person that called me, I said, well, can he talk? So she gave him the phone and I asked him, I said, well, honey, what's wrong? He said, baby, he said, I don't know. Then the young lady, she said he collapsed. So by then I said, y'all have called the rescue. She said, yes. So I met him, him and my husband, we met rescue at the hospital at Shands. And um, when we got out the car, he was in the rescue wagon and he given me thumbs up. Okay, mama, it's okay. And the fellows and they came over here and sat around and they was leaning up. He was kneeled down by his car from my understanding. And um, when this person came up and shot him and another guy as well, but the other guy did live. And Daryl got up to run into this door Okay. And he could barely get in there at the time, so they finally opened the door and let him in there. And that's where he collapsed at when I talked to him on the phone. Mrs. McKenzie, t tell me what was going through your mind when you got that phone call. Oh, um, <laughs> when I got the phone call, I could have just melted a drop because actually I was in the shower and I had this strange feeling that came through me. And I didn't feel good, and I think I got out of the shower and came in the kitchen. I told my husband, I said, something just not right, you know. Shortly after I said that, that is when the phone rang. I got the phone call that Daryl had been shot. And um, I, I mean, that was the worst time of my life that I ever had to face anything. It was a cowardly act that somebody did, you know. I know someone out here knows it, and they won't come forward. But I just want to say to this neighborhood, because this is where it happened at, you know something. And if you know something, please come forward because this could be your family. Don't let it happen to your family before you be able to come forward and say, oh, I know something. Mm -hmm. So please, I'm just asking everyone that know about this situation that was here, that heard about it, whatever you know, let the sheriff's office know so we can solve this case. Was it been, what has it been like all these years not knowing? Okay, a big part of my life left, okay? Um, it hurts more not knowing. I mean, it hurts, but when something happened and you don't know, you understand? We don't have any closure. You see what I'm saying? It will never go away. The pain in my heart, I, I mean, it's here. It will never go away. There's a void that will never go away. You understand what I'm saying? So my life from that day to this day has changed. I, my husband, he puts up with a lot of things because of that. Because um, a part of me left, but by the grace of God, I'm still standing. You see what I'm saying? I'm standing and I pray and I ask anybody for the love of God, please, if you know anything, please come forward. Help a grieving mother get some type of closure is what I'm asking for. My life would never be the same again. That was my only child. He was your only child? That was my only child. That's, that was my only child. And, and that just, that alone just took so much away from me, you know. Could you describe to me what it's like? Because a lot, I, I can't imagine, I mean, usually parents pass away before their kids. Well, that's the way it's supposed to be. Kids are supposed to bury their parents. You understand what I'm saying? Never do a mother or a parent ever wants to have to bury their child first. You understand what I'm saying? Um, it's just 
uh, emptiness there. Um, heart aches all the time. Sometimes my husband would come up and say, what's on your mind? I'm going like, I'm fine. But I know within I'm not. And, you know, I just have to give God all the glory and all the praise for it, all through it all, because I know that if it would not be for my Jesus, I know I wouldn't be standing right here in my right side mind right now. I probably would be walking in five o'clock traffic, okay? But <laughs> thank God be the glory that I'm saying, I'm in my right same mind and um, I'm just praying and asking for justice, closure. You know, it's been eight years, going on nine years. No one has come forward yet. You hear people say, well, I heard this, I heard that, or I know this, or I know that, but whatever you know, take it to the sheriff's office. They need to know. You see what I'm saying? They are the one that's gonna help solve this crime, but if nobody is talking, it's, it's hard to find out what's going on. Did he often hang out here? Was this a place he usually frequented? Well, Darrell actually grew up out here. I moved um, from the east side of town. He was a very young age, and he went to school right here at the elementary school, went to um, Sandalwood. I mean, he was from this area, but he got married. He was a football star. He got married. He um, went off to college to Alabama. He came back and got married after he came back. And he kind of like drifted his way back here. And this is where he knew everybody. And by the way, I must say, most people don't know him by Daryl, okay? It's Malik. Everybody know him up in this area by Malik. You know, if they see his picture or something, he, they know him by Malik. You know, very few know him by Daryl because all the kids that he grew up with, they went away, but he resurfaced his stuff back over here. Do you know if the surviving person who was also shot that day, was, was that person able to, to give a description or anything? Well, that person that survived gave very little information, which um, keeps me, makes me believe that he pretty much was involved in, or uh, maybe it could have been a set thing, I don't know. But I mean, I talked to my detectives about it, you know, but like you say, when you're trying to solve a, a case or something, you got to have evidence. You got to have concrete evidence. You know, you just can't go and say, well, this person, that person, you got to know. So, um, but he did survive and um, he ended up leaving town. So it's a lot of wacky, wacky stuff um, in there. But I can tell you this, he was a very loved young man. Everybody loved him. He would give you his shirt off his back. I mean, much respect. So many people had so much respect for him, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's the way I remember my son. I raised him, you know, and he always been a gentleman, you know. If he see you walking down the street and you struggling, he's there to help pick you up. You see what I'm saying? That's the kind of man he was. I have no idea why somebody would want to hurt my child. None at all. Mrs. McKenzie, what's it like being here? At this location? It's painful. It is very painful for me to be here right now, but I'm standing on the strength of God because I feel that by being here, by us putting him out in the spotlight again, may help this case in some way. You know, it's what I'm hoping. But it's very painful being here. It is. This is where it happened at. I don't even like to come down this street. I don't even like to come over here. I mean, me and my husband say, let's go. We, I don't even like to come in Arlington, you know, because I could see my baby now, you know, driving up. There he is somewhere around, you know, but. What do you want people to know about your son? And how do you want him to be remembered? I would like for people to remember Malik Darrell Stringfield as the person that he was. 
the person that he was, remember him as being loving, kind-hearted, giving, no matter what the situation was, he was always there to help out. Remember him as just being himself. You know, just remember him. Mrs. McKenzie, it's been eight years. And I understand, have you ever, have you spoken publicly about? I only spoke, not public like this, but I had an interview with um, uh, um, Justice. Um, coalition. Co yeah, Justice Coalition with the young lady yeah. over there. She did an interview with um, the love of a mother. Mm -hmm. And that was posted in the added victims advocate and stuff like that. But this is my second time speaking out on, on that. Help us understand why it's so important for you to, to be in front of the camera, to, to be here for people to see what we're doing. Why is that important? That's important because I want my son to not have left here in vain to know that his mother never stopped trying to find out who are responsible for him not being here with me today. That's what I want people to know. With the holidays coming out. Oh, holidays, my Lord. Um, the holidays has not been the same since he has been gone. Never are they the same. Christmas, Thanksgiving, not to mention his birthday anniversary, not to mention the day that it taken place, you know. All those things is my birthday. I doesn't even celebrate my birthday. My birthday, October the 27th. This happened five days prior to my birthday. This happened October the 22nd. Mine's on birthday on the 22nd. His entry taking place October 22nd at 1030, around 1030. I just talked to him about 1015. Now that was before I got the call that he had been shot. I spoke with him around 1015. Then I got in the shower. And I just didn't feel right after that. And then I ended up getting a phone call. It's like, it's like I just felt something, but I didn't know that that's what I was feeling, you know? The mother's instinct. Yeah, I guess they call it the mother's instinct, yeah. Mrs. McKenzie, and I understand if this next question is a little bit too painful, so you tell me where, where we can go with it, but would you be able to share what your last conversation was with him and what that was like? Oh, yeah. We, I, as I say, you know, I lived it on the east side of town. Um, I grew up out there, which was a very rough, rough area coming up then. So I wanted to move him in a better neighborhood, to put him in schools where he didn't have to go through and see what I saw as I, you know, grew up. So I moved um, on South Side. I left there, then I moved out here on Justina, right down here in the apartment, Kara said, which was beautiful. This street, this area used to be beautiful. You didn't see people hanging out. You didn't see what you see now. I mean, we was in a good neighborhood. He went to a good school. Me and my son was very close. Um, we, it was a one-day group went by that we didn't talk to one another, said we loved one another. I mean, it's that bond that we had as a mother and a son. We was friends. We were the best friends. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I, I, I mean, I brought him up teaching him how to be a gentleman teaching him how to not let, you know, you see things happen, females and guys fight all the time. And that was one thing I tried to instill in him. Never put your hand on a woman. Never touch a female. If it's something that's not going right, if she's not right for you, let her go that way and you go that way. I brought him up with all, all the good qualities. You see what I'm saying? As being a good gentleman. He grew up, he um, played football, 
He graduated from Sandalwood, one of the running starbacks at Sandalwood, went to Alabama State, played ball, then came back here, and as I say, he ended up getting married, and um, then having kids. That was my next, so he left behind children. Yes, he left kids. I do have grandkids, yes. How many? Uh, that's why. Oh. <laughs> I, I have grandkids, okay. I say that, okay? okay. <laughs> I have grandkids and I'm um, loving grandkids, okay? You try to keep um, his memory alive with them so they know. I try very, I try very, very hard to keep his memory alive through um, my grandkids. Now, I have two grandkids, three actually, that I'm very, very close to very close to and um, because they were the kids that grew that I knew about. Okay, I put it like that. Um, and that's Shalithia, Lodera and Takia. Now those are the ones that I, I really actually knew about um, at that time. But um, Shalithia, she just got back from Germany. She played professional basketball. She just got an ACL. She was injured um, three weeks ago, a little almost a month ago, hospitalized in Germany, had surgery, and the coaches and her teammates took very good care of her because we were so far away from her in Germany. We wasn't there for her, you know. But she flew back in week before last, Saturday before last, and she's home now um, healing and She's still talking about playing basketball, so she got that from her daddy, you know. I mean, because he, he played, he was a sport. He played football, baseball. He had a scholarship for football and also received a scholarship for baseball. But he chose to go out with the um, football scholarship. And he still ended up, even after his college days, high school days, he loved his football. He still ended up um, coaching, I mean, I'm sorry, playing semi-pro. Um, football, mm -hmm. and then becoming a Pop Warner coach. But me and Darrell was very close from a child coming up. I spent much time with him. I mean, you know, I tried to do all I can to teach him to be, you know, the, the person that he were, you know. Mrs. McKenzie, I can tell you you're a really strong woman. What, where do you find that strength <laughs> after going what you've been through? <laughs> you know, people look at me all the time and they say, you are so strong. I, I work as a, I'm a customer service manager for Walmart, um, but and I have my customers that I believe God put them in my way for um, testimonies or what have you. And they asked me the same question you just asked, where do I get the strength from? Well, you know what, I can't take the credit for that. I get it all from Jesus. That, that's my Lord and my Savior. And I know that if not been for my God, that I would not be able to stand, I wouldn't be able to talk to you, I would have broken down by now, but he's keeping me strong through this right now, you know. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I love loving for that, you know. I mean, it hurts. And um, <laughs> I mean, I, I work because um, my husband would say, well, won't you just let the job go? You know, you, you <laughs> just let it go, you know. And I'm going like, no, first of all, I ain't letting my job go because I, I for some reason, I stay in debt all the time. I love buying things, you know. But another reason is it keeps me occupied. If I was not working, I would be home having a pity party. Because my son's picture, they would not be removed. When I walk in my door, that's the first thing I look at. They're still there. I would never move them. So I would be home crying and, and pity partying and this, that, and the other. But um, I'm strong on it because of God. He, he is the one to give me the strength. He's the one to give me encouragement to, to move on because after all, I still have family. 
and I still have grandkids and my son will want me to be there for Absolutely. them, you know. As, as we do this interview and, and potentially somebody could be watching who knows something, it's more of, more of a request than a question. Okay. Could you speak directly to them and, and what yeah. do you want them to know? I'm sure I have viewers out here watching this interview tonight. And if you are watching, my name is Jeanette McKenzie. And my son was Daryl Lamar Stringfield. As I say, everybody out here knew him as Malik. But if you have any idea as to any of the, the, the shooting that taken place the night of October 22nd, right here on this street, right back there at that apartment, please, please don't hesitate to call the sheriff's office. Call me, you know, call me. Uh, you, I, I'm on Facebook. I, I, I'm on there. You can look me up. You know, uh, you could, I mean, you know how to get in touch with me. You know, just whatever. I'm just, I'm pleading and asking, if this were your mother or your sister or your brother, I am sure that you will want some closure. So by the love of God, if you have a heart, if you have a heart, please don't hesitate to let us know. Call the sheriff's office. You can remain anonymous, you know. They have the line that you can call and remain anonymous if you think somebody's going to hurt you. But this has to stop. You have to come forward because without someone coming forward, this goes on and on and on. It's a time that this must stop. People are getting killed every day. You know about it, but you won't say anything about it. And until you do something about it, it's going to keep on happening. This has to stop. Again, like I say, it could be your loved one, your mother, your sister, your brother, your family, or your close friend. And even if it wasn't, it doesn't matter. If you know somebody that hurt somebody, I mean, come on, don't be coward. Don't be a coward. Come on and speak up. Don't you just as bad as the person that did that to my son if you know something and you won't say anything because that person certainly was a coward. That's what he was. He was a coward. Action News Jack's Project Cold Case airs the second and fourth Wednesdays of each month on CBS 47 at 530. You can also find all of our stories, interviews, pictures, and documents on actionnewsjacks.com. Just look for the Project Cold Case button. And listeners, we hope you share this podcast on your social media platforms. Lorena and I also welcome your questions. Just tweet us at Paige A.N. Jax or Lorena A.N. Jax.